How did Gymshark win 2020? Consumer research. They worked with a test to learn more about their audience's changing habits, then pivoted their business to meet those needs. Visit askatest.com slash D2C and use fast, accurate consumer research to get ahead. It's growth without guesswork. There's never been a better time to be a direct-to-consumer business. Join us as we uncover the strategies and scaling secrets of the world's most disruptive brands and agencies. This is DTC Podcast. Hello and welcome to the D2C Podcast. I'm Eric Dick, and today we are very lucky to have Lily Sun, who is a growth marketer at Three Ships Beauty, a female-founded natural and vegan skincare company on a mission to make clean beauty accessible to all women. Launched in 2017 as New Body, the company has rebranded in the past year or so to Three Ships uh, in July of 2020. You can find their products in 600-plus retail stores across North America, including Target, Whole Foods, Urban Outfitters, Hudson's Bay, as well as online at threeshipsbeauty.com. We have Lily, who is a foundational team member uh, at Three Ships, who can uh, is, is specifically focused on the, the growth marketing, the D2C business, but can sp- speak to a lot of aspects of this great brand. Uh, welcome to the D2C podcast, Lily. Can we start with a bit of a, 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 uh, of a story of the brand's genesis? How did, how did Three Ships Beauty come into being? Yeah, well, first of all, I'm so stoked to be here. Um, The energy is really awesome. I'm like hyped, I'm excited, I'm motivated. So Three Ships, we were founded, like you mentioned, as New Body four years ago by our co-founders, Connie and Laura. Connie is a business grad and Laura is a chemical engineer. And when they met, you know, completely different backgrounds. But the one thing that they kind of aligned on was why was natural skincare so expensive? Why were so many brands, you know, greenwashing it, like putting the word natural, putting an orange, you know, on the front of the bottle, you turn it to the back, there's like point, you know, zero one percent of vitamin C from oranges in the product. So with that, they kind of set off to create three ships. Um, We are a natural skincare company. I think our main focus is skincare doesn't end with skin. You know, it impacts your health. A lot of people forget that your skin is the biggest organ in your body, right? Everything you put on your skin is absorbed into your body. And we really want to combine, you know, skincare and healthcare and use the power of science to educate consumers on why going natural is honestly the best option for you and your lifestyle. Love it. And, uh, you know, obviously this move away from animal products is something that sort of like all sectors are seeing. Uh, so you're, you're really capitalizing on that trend. And I, I just also think the amount of people that are like looking at the ingredients on their food, mm-hmm. on their skincare products, all of these things, I think people are starting to notice, like notice that, you know, their skincare product says orange, but it only has this tiny, tiny amount. Oh, agree with that totally. trend? Yeah. I mean, food and Bev is the first industry, obviously first space that you think of people moving towards flipping the product around and looking at the back, you know, not only the nutrients, but what is in this product. And then apart from food and uh, Bev, you see it in spaces like cleaning supplies. I think detergent, um, dishwashing soap, a lot of people are choosing natural instead of chemical on that end. And then I think the third space, it's really personal care. So hair care, body care, and skincare, I think even more so because skin feels so intimate. Um, and it feels like it really matters what you're putting onto your skin, right? So 
yeah, I 100% see the shift in these three main categories. But I mean, I won't be surprised if this extends to almost every category that interacts with your lifestyle as we move forward. What are some of the key differences between, because with this rebrand uh, in yep. July of last year, what are the key differences between the old brand and, and how you spun it with Three Ships Beauty? The old brand, if you can find anything online, you'll notice it's very pink, floral, cheeky, fun, flirty. Um, you know, your skin, we're your best skin friend, that type of messaging. But it really wasn't what we stood behind as a brand. I think we grew up as a brand and so did our customers. I think that's one thing to note too. We set out, you know, expecting to appeal to 18 to 25 year olds. And then about a year into the business, realized that majority of our uh, consumers are 25 to 45. And so it was pretty apparent to us that we needed to age up the brand. And also the two pillars that we wanted to focus on was education and transparency, right? That was what we wanted to communicate to our customers. We wanted to give them knowledge and to let them feel in control of their skincare based on what we're able to provide as a brand. So I would say that's the driving force behind the rebrand. It's not so, I mean, I miss it. I miss the puns and the cheeky way we were able to message our customers and copy, but I think Focusing on education and transparency as a skincare brand, um, it has really paid off in the last year. It's very cool. Is is there a story behind three ships and what what that means specifically? To yeah. The well, legend has it that you know explorers back in the days were looking for this fountain of youth. It was this fountain that was supposed to make you live forever and make you youthful. And so everybody set out looking for this fountain of youth with armies, boats, fleets, like you name it. They brought every resource they had with them. And one, one person went with three ships, right? Like just went to explore with the three ships he had. And he got there first because everybody else was tending to their fleets and to the people on their boats. And this guy, he didn't have much to worry about. And that's really the philosophy behind us as a brand. You know, it's not about how many things you have, like a 15 step skincare routine. It's about quality and simplicity and three ships, you know, makes total sense for us. And and probably when people buy, you want them to buy at least three products, so it fits yeah. well. You want you want a totally. fleet. You want at least a fleet of skincare products, not just the one. You you don't want to go alone. Yeah. Oh man, we're running low on the naval puns. Like we've used fleet, welcome aboard, join the crew, navigate. Yeah. One day we're gonna we're not gonna have many more words to use. Well, I'm sure I'm sure you'll find a way. Yeah. Uh, very cool. So, you know, skincare is one of those verticals that is just so hyper competitive uh, that, you know, there's, there's a lot of different skincare brands out there. I'm just curious, like, um, what do you, what, like, what do you uh, say were, were the biggest wins for, for three ships specifically when you were starting into, let's, let's say that the paid marketing there, like how, how would you say you've really been able to like um, make the uh, strong engagements with consumers and stand out above the crowd essentially? That's a great question. So do you mean specifically focus on like paid marketing and like paid advertising, how we're scaling that up or different marketing channels? I I guess maybe start more broad. We'll get into the marketing okay. stuff a little bit more specifically, but maybe just start like, like how is it that, yeah, you're able to sort of stand above the noise uh, yep. and, and really connect with consumers? 
Yeah, I would say three things. The first thing, and this is funny because this is a D2C podcast, of course, but we actually were not a D2C first company. For the first three years, we were focused on retail, specifically in Canada. And so in the first year, we in the first three years, we were able to get into over 200 local retailers in Toronto, as well as some really big Canadian retailers like Hudson's Bay, Holt Renfrew, um, Chapters Indigo, which is a bookstore. And I would say that retail presence really propelled our brand, um, especially with skincare. One of the hypotheses we had initially was, you know, people wanted to see it. They wanted to touch it. They wanted to test it on their hands before they purchased. And there was just no way of doing that online at the time. And so we wanted to get into as many doors as possible, you know, in, in Toronto and Canada. And I think almost going onto a brand's website and seeing that they're available in all these retailers does add a layer of credibility. So I would say retail was one of them, which is, I know this is a D2C podcast, so please keep this part in there. Yep, totally. <laughs> um, the second one I would say is like efficacy and understanding. We noticed that our customers they don't just buy a cleanser because it's a cleanser. They really understand that our purified aloe and amino acid cleanser is for dry skin who, you know, you're almost afraid to wash your face because typically with face wash, it's really easy to strip your skin of its natural moisture barrier. I think through our marketing, we, we make a point to market like why this cleanser. So when they buy it, they fully understand what they're purchasing. And it's great because one, they're buying the right products for their skin type. So we don't see a lot of returns or customers who don't like the products. And then two, we see a lot of retention because they're choosing something that's right for their skin and they're, you know, they're staying with it. And three, they're, it's really beneficial for them to then use word of mouth to explain to their friends because they actually know how to explain the product um, because of how we're marketing it. So I would say, the education upfront piece before they make the purchase decision is something that we've always focused on. And then I think the last one is just non-scalable methods. You know, like we do this thing where every time we have a new Instagram, well, not every time, when we have a new Instagram followers, we send almost all of them a personalized DM, right? And we get like hundreds of followers a day and the whole team, like whenever we're on a lunch break, we're in the DMs and we're sending like a personalized welcome message to our new followers, um, our abandoned cart. Those emails actually go straight to Laura if they have any questions and she hand responds to anyone who has product questions. So I definitely say the third way of standing out would be these, this non-scalable, like these different tactics that we do. Um, and I hope we can continue doing them for as long as we can. That's awesome. Is Laura the, the product focused founder you mentioned with the she chemical is. engineering background? Oh, that's perfect. That's um, right. She leads product development. And then, yeah, like I was going to say, like how I know this isn't your role exactly, but how intimately involved as a founder was she in the development of these products? Oh, she is like fully involved. She leads the whole process. I mean, for the first, I believe, two years, we were hand making products. Like we were buying jugs of coconut oil from Whole Foods. We had these large mixing bowls that we uh, warmed them up so they would melt. We would add in, you know, different essential oils or other oils, dip them in a coconut wipe, put them in a Ziploc bag, and send them off. So she was there during that time. And then we fit when we finally were able to get a manufacturer. I mean, our product development takes eight to 10 months and, you know, all the way from research of what hero ingredients do we want to focus this product around all the way to like the little things like stability testing, you know, you have to test if it's shelf stable, 
to production. Yeah, that's a whole process, but she is in there pretty much every step of the way. And we do our best not to just focus on whatever products are trending at the moment, but really what will make an impact for us as a brand based on science. And so, for example, cannabis, huge, huge ingredient nowadays in food, skincare, body care. But we didn't see as much science behind how cannabis would work in skincare. So, I mean, I think people would have gone crazy for a cannabis infused product for sure. But that wasn't our brand uh, that that wasn't part of our brand values. So she is really the one spearheading all the research behind new product development. That's very cool. And b- yeah. back to ed- the education piece again a little bit, just because I think it's so important. Mm-hmm. And I think even I was even just listening to you talk about about those products. I'm like, I got to try that. That sounds, you know, that, that sounds good. I'm. What do you think are the main levers for product education that you've been able to use to make those engagements? Is it literally product descriptions? Is it li- literally the, 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 you know, the research that goes in the product just gets put on the page? How are you really focusing on education with, with people? Yep. Another couple points for education around our products. First one, obviously organic social is really big for us. So we actually, it's actually funny. We just did an IG poll of our audience of what type of content they like to see. And I think it was 43 or 53% of people responded education as their number one thing of what kind of content they wanted to see on our Instagram. Hmm. So we do a lot of infographics. We break down our ingredients the same way you would see nutrition label on the back of food products. Um, So I think organic social is a really big one. I mean, I'm not going to like, sometimes when when we're planning our content calendar, I'm like, oh, I want to do like memes or, you know, something trendy or this really pretty picture. And we're like, no, let's stick to what our audience wants to see. And they want to see education. So I'd say that's number one. Number two, another channel email is really big for us. So we focus a lot of our, actually, we focus a lot of our welcome and post-purchase flows on education, which I think is underutilized by a lot of brands. So I'm actually in the process of reworking our post-purchase flows to being nine emails across the first month after purchase. And it's all about education. And you would think educating somebody after they've bought is like, oh, what's the point? No, there's like, that's when they're honestly most receptive because they already have the product. Like they want to be educated. So that's another really big channel for us. I like that. And there's um, some really, there's some really great yeah. insight there. Cause most people or a lot of people, once they have people on their list as customers, it's like, okay, you're a customer to me. So I'm going to keep sending you sort of customer based uh, stuff. But once you have them in your product brand environment, uh, letting them know about all the thinking that goes into all your products is just probably yep. massive for their LTV. Uh, you got it. You nailed it. Like, you know, when you buy from a D2C brand, everyone is expecting that thank you from the founder's email, not no shade on that one. We have that too. You know, the one where your founders are in big pictures and their little signatures at the end. We all yeah. have those. Um, that's not really delightful anymore. You know, that's a no brainer for customers to get that post purchase. But like you would think nine emails in, the, in a month is a lot. But for someone who has just spent their cash on your brand, probably after sitting on it for like people sit on decisions for three to four weeks. Like they want to feel like they made a good choice and it's your responsibility as a brand to give them that. Um, And so for us education, we kind of see it as two categories. One is like product specific, like skincare education. And one is more tactical. Like how do you use this product AM or PM? What step of the routine do you use it in? So it it is also helpful for brands to define and break down what education means to them to make sure you're hitting the right categories. 
Nice. One of the things we don't talk a lot about on the podcast, and before we jump into some of the marketing questions, I just wanted to hit a mm-hmm. question about the seed round that, that you guys landed last year, $1.4 million seed round. Yep. Can, can you talk a little bit about uh, that experience, uh, you know, uh, what it what it took to, to get it uh, that may, may or may not have been your focus specifically, and then what it meant to you as a growth marketer to have it? Oh, man, we were a bootstrap company since 2017, 4,000 Canadian dollars. I think that's what 3,000 USD, where, yeah, it was insane. We that's also why we weren't a D2C first company. We didn't really have that much to spend on paid marketing. So, I mean, this seed round was incredible from obviously two perspectives. One is getting the money to be able to do things that we really want to do. And we think is critical to growing us, like growing three ships rapidly. Um, it was over two weeks, um, and really strategic, like all of our investors and advisors are not just writing us checks, but they have industry experience and connections, you know, across the board in retailers and helping us with product development, helping us with logistics. And like, when I heard who some of our investors were, I was, I was blown away by, you know, that level of confidence that people were trusting us as a company to use their money well and to grow three ships and then in terms of what the money meant i mean this is hilarious but when we closed at 1.4 million it was the best day of my life i was like we're never gonna run out like no like a million dollars are you kidding me like we did so much with four thousand dollars i think it was like 20 days later i was like wait (laughs) where where did the money go (laughs) went from dave Chappelle. i'm rich to to to, yeah to where does that money go in 20 days that's interesting and, and so, yeah, what was that process like? That was because it was earmarked for these big projects, essentially, that you'd kind of put into motion? It was really for growing D2C. Like, yeah. I would say up until the raise, we were probably 80-20, where 80% we were focused on retail and 20% on e-commerce. So our goal at the seed round is to really grow into a 50-50 split company where direct consumer would make up 50% of our sales. And obviously, paid marketing, influencer, all of those pieces that drive e-commerce growth was, you know, that's what the cash was for. Um, and then also number two was really making three ships explode across the border in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, again, up until that point, we were mostly a Canadian company, but we know how how tiny Canada is <laughs> compared to the states, and so we are heads down trying to ramp up our U.S. brand awareness. And that's so. So the question is then for me: You went from retail uh, to D to C in Canada. Are you going to mm-hmm. do the same? Are you trying to do the same thing in the U.S.? Or are you trying to jump right into D to C? I would say we're trying to jump right into D to C. But I say that also right now we're in 500 Target stores, uh, nice. Whole Foods in Northern California, and Urban Outfitters. So I guess we are kind of going the retail route. But no, definitely we don't want to wait as long as we did in Canada to shift to direct consumer. We're we're focused on it immediately. Nice. And so you're, uh, you know, are you the, you're the lead growth marketer at the company yep. aside from the founders who were probably involved in that a little bit as well. Um, so what was your first, when you were brought on and you were, you know, you had this, you had this money uh, that, that you knew was being earmarked for D2C ventures. I'm curious about what was your thought process and what were the first like major actions you took to, to really dive into D2C? You know, I, my background, I've actually, this is my, this is my third early stage startup. Um, Both all of my internships in school were at really early stage startups. So I'm totally used to working with a budget of zero. So when I was doing things like, you know, I was managing email, I was managing SMS, I was kind of doing the whole life cycle. Everything was on a $0 budget. 
I would say the thing that I was most excited about was paid advertising because I know how much that can drive e-commerce growth if you do it properly. Um, and I would say that's honestly where bulk of our budget for growing D2C, like that's what we're using the money for. We did bring on an agency to help us with email, which has been awesome and taken a lot off my plate. Um, another chunk of the money was for content. So that's obviously really big in skincare. I mean, we were shooting things on iPhones before, <laughs> before we had money. So content was a big one and then paid marketing. I think that is what I'm really excited about. Working with a stellar agency of having this budget for monthly ad spend and then having a good chunk of the budget for churning out really create like awesome creative that will you know boost up our u.s brand awareness is what makes me really excited nice but in these early stages you know before you you brought on a, a media buying agency have you actually been doing the ads yourself we have been we we have a media buyer so they're they're awesome but we have been creating the ads in-house like or via ugc so okay. actually, if you watch some of the ads that we have, I think it's me. Like, nice. I think I, I'm in it. <laughs> it's very scrappy. And that's obviously, that's what, as an agency, that's definitely, you know, a, a, during the onboarding process, there's, you know, internal competitions for for getting a hold of some products and and making UGC. It becomes a bit of a, a fun thing that we do as a team, but it's, it's yep. something that you can't, you can't not do. You know what I mean? Especially if you're an early yeah. stage brand, you've got to, you know, you got to be willing to, to put yourself out there a little bit and create some UGC. You gotta do it. And it gets easier. It really does. Like the first time I, it was really tough, but you know, I've been doing it for a couple months now and now it's a no brainer. Like I almost, even without, even for new brands, like as soon as I get something on my doorstep, I almost want to film an unboxing just because I'm so primed to doing that. So. Because you know how valuable those kinds of ads can be. Totally. Like I want, I will actually film you unboxing videos for different brands that I buy from. And I'll like send them over. Like I'll just send it to the hello at email and say, Hey, like love my package. I made an unboxing and a product review. Like feel free to use it if you want. Are you tired of underperforming social ads that keep losing money or only break even? Get your creative game on point with D2C Design. They've already designed top-performing ads for D2C readers and brands alike. Right now, they're offering DTC listeners one free set of Facebook ads personalized for your brand. Go to D2Cdesign.com. D2Cdesign.com today. Uh, obviously the, you know, the biggest, uh, levers for growth in businesses are the number of customers you can bring in and the size of the orders that you're able yep. to, to get them to buy. Can we talk a little bit about like, you know, obviously you guys have, have come in, um, with pretty, uh, affordable in the, in the skincare market, yep. there, there's massively more expensive products and there's, there's, oh, there's cheaper sure. products as well, but in order to drive those AOVs up, what's been your strategy, uh, on that side of things? So definitely bundling um, with skincare. It's actually very rare for customers. I mean, customers don't want to just buy one product, you know, like they don't just want to buy a cleanser or a serum. They want to buy more, but sometimes they have a hard time, especially we have, I think, I believe 18 SKUs. They have a hard time choosing, you know, like what they want, even with 18, it's not a lot, but it's a pretty big amount of products for them to make a decision. And so we tried, we have our kits, you know, they're actually like, in boxes and kit boxes. We only have two of those and we found them to be a little bit um, static. Like, you know, they're just there. And if we run out, it's gone. If we, if nobody wants, like there's only one way to market it. 
And so we were kind of thinking about, you know, how can we get people to put at least maybe three, maybe four products into their cart and make the buying decision really easy for them. And so we came up with bundles. So they are like a set of products with a specific theme or reason for buying them together, whether it's like a dry skin bundle, an acne bundle, um, something for hydration, brightness, like whatever it is. Um, they come in regular boxes. So they, they come as if you bought them individually. But as a customer, if you buy a bundle, you save 20% off this bundle, which is a great selling proposition for people. And I think the best part about having these bundles is that they're not static. Like we call them agile bundles because, you know, we'll pull something together. We called it, we called it the defense bundle for winter. It was, it was the three products that are more heavy on the thick side, focused on like intense hydration. You know, now it's like, I was going to say April, but it's May now, but now that it's May, you know, we don't need this bundle anymore. So we took it off the site and we pulled together three products that are more suitable for summer. So that's Love something it. we can't do with kits because they come prepackaged, but with mm. bundles that it's so easy to do that. We also did a bundle around Mother's Day, one around Valentine's Day. So you can see how there's a lot of different occasions to use it. I love it. And with, with a series of products like you have where it's really the regimen for people, it's, it's the ritual right. that they, they do on a daily basis. So mm -hmm. being able to name, you know, call out the different aspects of a ritual and then name them by that, those jobs to be done kind of titles where you're like, you're looking to solve this problem. You're looking, you know, you're thinking about this yep. in your world right now. Here's a bundle that suits that seems like a great strategy. It's awesome. And it really helps the customers. Like yeah. they, they really appreciate when you're making decisions for them. And as a brand, we are actually very intentional with these bundles. Um, we take time to figure out what works well with, you know, which ones. And actually what it helps us with is it helps us with future product development decisions. So with these bundles, we were actually able to notice that people were searching for acne slash blemish style products. Like that was the category of products that the most customers requested. And that bundle was the most popular so we're actually making it into a kit and we're making like an acne treatment kit. I don't know if that's out to the public yet, but that is in our pipeline for product development. And it would have been very hard for us to make a decision to spend R&D and product development into making a kit if we didn't know people were already buying these products together as a bundle, if that makes sense. I love it. Yeah. And, and this, this is on, on previous podcasts, uh, we, we talk about people learning from their customers about mm -hmm. how th their products are used uh, in ways that they hadn't even thought of. I think this, it was another skincare brand actually. And they were sp speaking specifically about like how they would mix the two things together in their hands mm -hmm. and then apply it. And then it gave them an idea for another product. So like keeping that tight relationship with your best customers is just so important for a number of reasons for product development. Can you talk a little bit about how uh, you've brought in, brought your top customers like into the fold to, to sort of maximize their, their value in your organization? Mm -hmm. We have, we have three groups of customers that I think are really unique to us. The first one, the biggest one is our ambassador slash community program that we call the fleet. And so again, with these nautical puns, you know, one day I'm not going to have any more, but Fleet's with a the good fleet, one. fleet is great. That's I didn't great. think of it. I can't yeah. remember who did, but fleet was awesome with our fleet. Um, we bring in customers who kind of meet like a VIP requirement. So I think it's, I think the threshold is spent over $250 or have made more than three orders. So at that point, like we know they're committed to the brand for sure. So we invite them to join the fleet and they get, you know, 
a lot of surveys thrown at them. We ask them questions all the time. Gabby, our influencer management, is in direct communication with them. So they're almost like, they're, we, have, we have around 200 people, I believe. So that's our group of VIP customers that we're always interacting with. Our second group is our trial testers. So they're called the Three Ships Trial Testers. And they're, they're the ones we send pre-production samples to. So they get, you know, new products in like unmarked jars, like small sample sizes, and they'll try it for the course of two weeks and then give feedback to Laura, who then will actually make iterations of the on the sample they received before it becomes the final version of our product. So that's a little bit different in terms of feedback, but they're really on the ground, like testing products for us. And then we fi finally, we have our like, clinical research group almost. So they're the people that we kind of do like cohort analysis on for 30 to 60 days after a new product comes out to really understand like how it's working for them. If they would recommend it to a friend, does it help with the specific skin concerns that we set out for it to do? How do they embed it into their routine? Um, all of that. So those are the three groups of people that we rely on a lot. And like we like when I say a lot, I mean like we talk to them a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's I love that idea of those three of those three separate groups all informing slightly different aspects from the yep. product to its its use to to the marketing. Uh, I think that's really cool. Um, and then for your referral program, you I, I, you mentioned that you run that on Grin, which is interesting. And my question there is: Are were those people um, influencers that you connected with, and they became? Um, they became fans of your product and they became part of that community or were they did, or did it go in reverse where they, they were, they were fans of your, of your product. And then you said, Hey, sign up on grin to become mm -hmm. uh, a, a referral partner. Yep. So this referral partner, you're actually referring to the fleet because they get um, their own discount code and then they're able to share it with their friends and family and they'll get a kickback off of those purchases. And Gabby does manage them all on Grin. It is the latter of what you said. So like I mentioned, they have to meet certain thresholds um, of either being an existing customer or have already spent you know, a certain amount of money. With that being said, though, we do get people inbound who are very like, communicative about the brand they really want to try us out you know they've been supporting us and you can tell like you can tell on social like who's just inbounding and who is actually committed to the brand and so they will be also added to the fleet we don't um outbound reach out to influencers who have who are not yet our customers and invite them to join the fleet because that kind of defeats the purpose of having a community um we obviously do influencer partnerships but that is more its own separate thing. Got it. Yeah. Very cool. I know we're a little pressed for time here. There was one topic I just wanted to hit on. I, I yeah, asked you how big your team was, uh, and you said it was seven, mm -hmm. and, but that this summer you've taken on four interns. We do. We have four. That's really interesting. And I, I, I want to just like, that's a, it's something that I've, I've been in different startups and we've had interns before. Um, I'm just curious about, about how, what's your strategy for getting the most value out of these interns and how do you approach the, the intern program? Yeah, I would say the first thing is like having the right roles for the interns. So we have one marketing intern, one research intern, one UX web design intern, and then one sustainability intern. And we chose, you know, these roles specifically. Two of the roles, so sustainability and UX and web design, those roles were not currently filled yet. So we didn't have anyone working on sustainability and we didn't have anyone doing UX research, but those two things were always on the top of the to-do list 
for when we had bandwidth. So we're like, let's hire interns for that role because it's pretty new. Like there's no established way of doing anything, which is really a perk for interns because they're able to kind of define that for themselves. And then once they leave, we'll have the foundation in peace to ramp it up as a brand. Because I think for new roles, like getting started is the hardest part. And once you have something you're able to work up, with the marketing of the ops intern, those roles were defined because it was an overload of work in those categories. So for influencer relationships and social media, like we were swamped with the amount of things we needed to do. And so having an intern to support and supplement is awesome. And then same thing with ops, like Laura is always swamped, like the amount of legal documents and research papers that she has to read for her role is like insane. And so having an ops intern to help with, you know, organizing the research documents and submitting things for approval with Health Canada, um, it was like an overload that having an intern would really help with. So I think those are like, I would say like think about it that way like what is something that you're already drowning in and having an intern will really support that or if it's something that is priority for you but you haven't touched I think interns are great for both of those uh, categories it's certainly low risk and and as in, in something like user experience um you know what what a great uh, challenge to give to a young hungry person in a way right oh, where, yeah. you, where you can say hey look at our user experience look at our competitors user experiences as well mm-hmm. like there's a lot of other people doing similar things and, and, and kind of put together your, your best thoughts on it. What, what a cool opportunity for an intern. Yeah, I mean, I wish these roles were available to me when I was an intern. Like some of my friends have younger siblings, you know, they're doing their internships at corporate banks, um, accounting firms. Again, no shade on that. Like those are great roles as well, but you really like don't get the impact and and like being on the ground, everything being so high touch, like everything you do serves a purpose. It's being used. Um, that's an incredible experience, I think, for people who are a bit younger, who are in undergrad. And I know for me, like I was lucky to also have worked at early stage startups. And I know how much that has helped me be confident in my decisions. Um, I mean, I would say I'm younger than other people I interact with in the econ slash D2C space, but it's all my previous experience of literally being thrown into the water that has made me a lot more confident and comfortable uh, in working working here now. That's awesome. So the so the interns that succeed in those roles are going to be primed to be hired back at some point. You know, after oh, they yeah. they finish their school. Did, specifically with the interns, did you get them from local universities, from like U of T and things like that? Yeah, that's smart. Yeah, U of T, Western. Um, yeah, those are the big ones. I, I think yeah, U of T, Western. No bias, of course, but no. it's awesome. Like they're so hungry, you know, yeah. like. This is just a fun fact, but for my intern specifically, the one who's directly reporting to me, I scheduled her training out her first week, Monday to Friday. So each day has its own like two, three hour training block. We had our first one on the first day and she messaged me like 10 minutes after. She's like, hey, I looked at your calendar. Like you're not doing anything today, tomorrow, Wednesday. Let's just, let's just do all of it. And I was like, what? Are you sure? Like, you don't want to break? She's like, no, like the faster we finish training, like I can actually go and do something. So we finished like midday Tuesday, pretty much like eight hours and the four hours. And then like by Friday, she was like giving me deliverables that she's already completed. And I was just completely blown away by that. I mean, you can't even get agencies to work that fast. So some great insight. I really, I, I, I love, you can't underestimate 
uh, or overestimate how, how hungry and effective people, like we've recently grown the team on the D to C side and just been blown away by people's ability to, to take a few orientation meetings and then just run with the ball because they understand the vision. And I think that that's a testament to the organization in a way, right? That you can give people a runway and a, a playpen essentially to, to make it very clear what they're trying to do so that they can get onboarded really quickly. It's cool to hear that she's paying dividends that quickly. Yeah. I'm so glad you have that too, because Honestly, for you and me, I feel like that's a no-brainer, right? Like giving your people that you work with freedom and flexibility to do their jobs. You know, <clears throat> that's a really small percent of the population. A lot of people still like to be very micromanaging. Like they don't like to let go of anything. So I actually wish that there were more managers and more leaders who had this type of mindset. And I mean, I feel like the like the the world will progress a lot faster when you give people space and time to be innovative. So yeah, yeah. I'm so glad. And I hope people who are listening will try to bring that into also like their, you know, management styles. I've, I've kind of, I've been thinking about pilot house, this agency that, you know, that we've spun out of, I was, you know, brought on at person number 20. Now it's 110, I think, oh, uh, you know, one year later, it's been wild, but it's only worked because it's funny. I keep thinking of the word, it, we're a pilot house. We, we've created this space for people that want to be pilots or people, people that want to have that, their own autonomy and their own ability to call their shots and make their flight plans. And, you know, all these flight metaphors, which is what we're working with. And, oh, uh, I love it. <laughs> and we should do a collab. Sometime. We should definitely do uh, an air and sea collab. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I know you're pressed for time here. So let's ask our one stock question that we love to ask at the end. Uh, if Because you're Canadian, let's say if uh, Mr. Justin Trudeau said, okay, uh, Lily, you, we're going to grant you a $50,000 cash, uh, cash grant to be used in your marketing strategy. Where do you use that over the next couple months in your business right now? Oh, man. You know... Five months ago, I would have thought 50 grand was an insane amount of money to work with. Now I'm like, are you kidding me, Justin? Yeah. $50,000, that's all you can give me? Um, I would put it into anything top of funnel, to be honest. Yeah. I would probably put another, like I put $30,000 of that into our monthly ad spend and get that spun up and then spend maybe $10,000 churning out some really awesome creative with angles that we haven't tested before, you know, with like, health and natural skincare. There's so many angles you can take and we have barely tested out any of them. So I would do that. And then, you know, with $5,000, I would really want to do some cool non-scalable things that would make our customers really delighted. Um, I was in our Shopify the other day and I, I think I saw someone who collectively has spent $900 at three ships. Um, we don't have lots of, we don't have many of those, but for those people, like I really want to do something special to them, you know, send them a care package, do a little bit of digging online, you know, what do they like and get them something unique and personalized. I would love to do that because I feel like you only get that luxury when you're a smaller brand. And I mean, I'm a growth marketer, so my job is to grow the business. And I know one day we won't be able to do things like this anymore. So I'd really take the money and try to do something special for our, um, our awesome customers. I love it. I, I think top of funnel is going to be really important for you guys over the next little while. And I, and I look at other sort of disruptive brands that are, um, you know, reframing in, in a way. And you, 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 it doesn't seem like you guys are doing it as much as maybe some other brands, but this idea of, you know, animal free, cruelty free, vegan, just, just like the way you describe your products, I feel like there's some, some really good top of funnel creative 
like educational, but also potentially uh, entertaining style, oh, yeah. style, like hero creative that could be really good for, for growing that top of funnel presence. I, I you know, one of my friends runs uh, true earth, the, the eco laundry detergent company. Um, mm-hmm. And that's been an absolute game changer for him is just creating oh, wow. you know, really hyper entertaining educational uh, content at very top of funnel. And I, and I don't know that I haven't seen as many skin companies do it necessarily, um, because I know you're, especially with this new brand, you're a bit more on the serious side or you're, you're, yep. you're not quite as, um, as, as light and, and flowery as the, as the previous brand, but, but that might be something think to think about can, as well. I mean, I think we can still be entertaining. Um, we're not boring. We don't want to be boring. That's no. for sure. And I'm glad you brought that up because top of final is really about entertaining. Um, and then as you bring them in, it's about education, informing and converting. And I do think we're missing that, like big top of funnel piece. Um, we see great conversion and retention. So I feel like we're at a point with three ships where our foundation is set, right? Like we have great customer experience. The funnel is ready for them. The post-purchase is ready for them. We're here supporting them every step of the way. Now it's just about bringing in as many people through top of funnel as we can, especially laser focused on the US. That's going to be our goals for the rest of 2021. And, uh, you know, the following year as well. I see three women on a ship heading to the new world, wondering how they're going to take care of their skin. And oh, I'm just, yeah. I'm just trying to think of, you have to come up with some great naval metaphors, some great seafaring metaphors for this top of funnel video. Let, let me know. I'm, 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 I will consult for free on, on, on a funny video with you guys. Oh yeah. I'll send it to you for sure. And then nice. we'll talk about our, our airplane boat naval collab happening uh, sometime soon. Sounds amazing. Thank you so much for coming on the D2C podcast today. I look forward to catching up with you in the future as you guys grow, as you grow your D2C uh, side of the business and, and take on the world. So again, thanks so much. Thanks for having me, Eric. And I, yeah, I look forward to it too. I feel like you've barely scratched the surface and I'm excited to come back and report back on how everything's doing sometime down the road. Nice. Okay. Have a great day. Peace. Thanks.